Welcome to the Whiskey Stories Podcast. So this is the thing. So uh, I was teetotal until I was 24 <laughs> or something. Yep. <laughs> Believe that's it or not. Like, yeah. That's a, yeah. 20. Wait a minute, Ross. There's a reason. <laughs> You're 24, aren't you? I am 24. <laughs> First alcohol drink, aye. and I thought it would be my last. To be fair, because um, he'd ordered a uh, Lafroy quarter cask. Welcome along to the Whiskey Stories podcast with myself, Graham Colgar, and we are back where it all began in the tiny little dugout, small room uh, in the back, in between the pub and the toilets at Diggers. We'll be relegated back to it, Angus. How are you? Yep, we're amongst the sweat and the body odor. <laughs> it certainly is, uh, but it's, it's it's nice to come back to your roots where. We're, 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 we're all 12, 11 episodes in, Ross, now. It's, uh, That's where it humbly began. I came for a wee episode and I never left. That's it. Um, <laughs> and today we've got one of my pals aye. with us as well. So but we've also, before we start, oh, we've, we've actually got the first ever Doug the Whiskey. That's who I was about to introduce. Oh, was it your Whiskey Stories? <laughs> <laughs> one of my pals, Paddy. Paddy, Paddy the Whiskey Stories, Doug. Absolutely, first dog in the pod. Um, he's not got an awful lot to say, to be honest, but he's well, paid his career. Well, um, what's Paddy's whiskey story is going to be like? This is it. Well, he has a space out. Okay. As a space out, Doug. Well, we've also got that as the voice of Jody Bucking. His Jody. dad. His. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you, Jody? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. Thanks for having so, me back. It's, no, well, it's, it's great to have you here. We've met before. Now, the last time we met and spoke, you were the brand ambassador. For Monkey Shoulder for William Grants. Mm-hmm. What are you doing with yourself now? I in December I changed left William Grant and Sons. Uh, don't worry. After, after quite a few years. After quite a few years, yeah, yeah. yeah. four oh, four a bit years, four and a half, uh, and then some. Um, sometimes longer depending on who you ask. Um, and then I yeah I decided it was a little time for a change. Uh, I wanted to talk about um, different spirits and different whiskies and move to specialty brands. So you, uh, for, for people might not know, but uh, they look after um, Port Skeg, Nika Whiskey, uh, which is Japanese, Amarut Indian, Kavalan Taiwanese. Interesting different uh, different spirits there. So the now. world of whiskey and also a big heavy peaty Scotch whiskey as well, which oh. is kind of up your street actually. It is, it's I one think. of those things, I think everybody knows you, you're certainly the people that know me are, are, are my generation of whiskey. Um, no Jody from Monkey Shoulder. Certainly, I know Monkey Shoulder from uh, from Jody. Mm. Um, yeah. But ever going out and drinking with him, he was drinking stuff that I couldn't handle. Again, me being an absolute <laughs> child, loves a big Petey Isla whiskey as well. Uh, if I can um, chew on that, the better. Yeah, yeah. this really? is it. Yeah. This is it. He's from the northeast. So we should touch on that. I mean, okay, you found whiskey. Aye. But you started in the northeast. Careers in the northeast from bartending and such. Yep. Um, how did that all happen? How does it? Oh, well, so this is the thing. So uh, I was teetotal until I was twenty-four or something. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Believe that's it or not. One, yeah. yeah. I'd say that. Twenty. Wait a minute, Ross. There's a reason. <laughs> You're twenty-four, aren't you? I am twenty-four. <laughs> uh, I've had, I reckon I've had a, you know drink responsibly. I reckon I'm closing two thousand drams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm twenty-four. I, I honestly, by um, I'm younger than that. My like my dad, big fan of whiskeys, especially peated whiskeys. And the first time he ever, we were down in Glasgow. Me and him, we were down for a, a gig. Staying at a hotel, and he was like, We'd finished the gig, went back to the hotel, and he was like, Do you want to dram in the hotel bar? I was like, Sure. Right. Drama, my dad. You know, first, right. first ever thing. 
I was like, I need to go back to the room and dump my bag. Dump my bag, mm. came out the ho- the the, uh, the lift, doors opened, and I just got hit in the face with this. God, just, well, at the time, I thought stench. Uh, I couldn't have, what the hell is this? your first time. Well, it, yeah, first. And, uh, what first I, alcoholic I, drink, or? First alcoholic drink, aye. And yeah. I thought it would be my last, to be fair. Because yeah. um, he'd ordered a, a Lefroy quarter cask. <laughs> Oof. It was a it was like so it's a big, big step. Like right. there's no easing into it. That was a blue of, WKD or something. <laughs> no, that was a, that was a boot in the deep end, on you go. Right. And uh, that was just too much. Did, like, did you have any specific reasons why you were teetotal up to the age of twenty four? Big enough Egypt without it, mate. <laughs> Honestly, I did not need it. I got into so much daft shit when I was like, sorry for swearing. No, you're allowed to swear. I got into so, into so much because it's, it's, it's for you know a young guy growing up in Scotland. It, it, it's not the I, obvious choice. No, I'm no. In the northeast, there's not much to do. No, uh, as, as I keep saying to people, and, and um, sorry, it's if, the northeast. I was going to say, my, my, my partner will be listening to this, and like, so I'm from Fraserburgh. Those of you who don't know the Broch. Uh, the Broch, um, it is the most northeasterly point in Scotland before we turn back around and head on to long, like Bath and McDuff. Um, there's not a lot to do there. Um, as I always say in the Buckin family, we drink, we fuck, and we do both really well. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't even drink for the but start of it. No, no I, d- I did the other really well. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it was just, I, d- I didn't need it. Honestly, uh, I'd be between, you know, going on dirt bikes off a sand dunes and all this kind of stuff just yeah. getting up to stupid daft stuff living in the country was where you yeah. got your high it wasn't about Aye, nah. having a what was the concert you went to go and see in Glasgow uh, it was um, Jackson Brown which is singer songwriter from the 70s you might know um, a couple of his songs shout out to Jackson Brown <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah like dad dad was always really interested in sort of blues type music I was always um, uh, for those of you who can see me was probably into like heavy metal and stuff and dad was very much a case of right that's fine mm. but do you want to learn where that comes from okay. so brought it back to the rock and then blues and stuff so. right so was that your last drama of the night that was the last drink that I thought I would ever have ever <laughs> full stop never ever again to touch it um, and weirdly my first drink after that was back in Glasgow so I ended up um, fast forward I served my time so my background's chemical engineering I served uh-huh. my time in Grangemouth and um, I was living in Glasgow that wasn't you weren't in prison in Grange, no, no, like I said, background chemical engineer. I did an apprenticeship, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, which is uh, few and far between nowadays. But if you can, if you can get it, grab it. Um, but uh, no, I was on a stag do, and we were at this place in the middle of nowhere, and there was nothing to drink. And the uh, best man, we were off Thursday as hell. And he popped his the boot of his car, and he goes, "Oh, everybody, grab in. We've got we've got some drinks for everybody." Mm-hmm. And all that was in there was Corona and a bottle of vodka. Oh, well, there you okay. go. So I figured, you know what? I'll yeah. just, I'll have something just to make sure that I don't die. And um, I wasn't a beer man, so I took vodka and, yeah. Drink responsibly. Drink responsibly. But, so there you go. I mean, right. That's quite a, <laughs> uh, that's quite an entry into the world of drinking, to be yeah. perfectly honest, at uh, that age as well. But you've now become a sort of quite synonymous in yourself as being associated with whiskey but also when you were with monkey shoulder with the branding that was associated with it for those we are i mean we are practicing with the camera this evening mm. uh, so i mean that with the, but so we do have a camera set up so there will be maybe some video clips that we release some photos and stuff like that but if you when you see jody 
you don't typically represent what some people would perceive as the person who's involved in Scotch whiskey. You've got a easy top style ginger beard. You've got some. Um, you've got some. Me- you've got a shaved head. Yeah. You've got some metal in your lips and nose. You've yeah. got rings on. You've got tattoos. At the same You're- time, a bearded white man is not that uncommon. No, 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 no. Yeah. But, but I think. I definitely don't fit in with the Glen Cairn on a lanyard crowd. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> well, the new age of brand ambassadors. Of course, of course. But not that there's anything wrong with that. But what I mean is that you, you, you've, for a lot of people, you'll be, oh, it's Jody, the whiskey guy. Yeah. So how yeah. did you go from waiting until you're 24 to try your first dram? Being a chemical engineer. Being yeah, a chemical engineer <laughs> into becoming th- this person who's been involved in the whiskey and drinks industry for so long. Yeah, fair. Uh, so, well, I, I... I bartended. So my first ever bartending gig was 18, saving up some money before I went down to my apprenticeship because at the time, I, what was it, £305 a month is what you got paid. Okay. So I needed to save up a lot of that cash. So I worked in Inverallachy Golf Club um, for for the summer to raise some, some cash, basically. And I learned about a bartender about there. And then same thing when I was in the apprenticeship, like I say, you need to make ends meet. You need to pay for your digs and your food and all the rest of it. I continue to bartend um, at the Firkin and a little bit behind the wall in Falkirk. Um, and then when I moved to Glasgow, I was dotting about doing shifts and stuff there yeah. just to basically keep me out of trouble. Yeah. Like I say, I didn't drink, so it wasn't like I, I was mean, getting even, up to, Even the fact you that you're working behind a bar and not drinking mm-hmm. at that age as well. I mean, number one, I suppose it's every bar person is working. They're sober at the time of working. And I, I would think of nothing worse than having to deal with me <laughs> if I was sober and I was if I was drunk having to deal with me if I was sober uh, I wouldn't fancy that so I mean did did you ever watch people getting drunker and drunker and drunker as you're serving them drinks thinking that's I wonder if I could try that or did it even grow an aversion to you because you just thought when you're working behind a bar all the time and having to deal with people who'd had a drink I I mean most of the time I just thought they were fannies <laughs> to, to be blatantly yeah. honest, I was like, because especially where I where, where I lived in Glasgow, um, shout out to Clay, Faithfully and Claybank, um, it was it, it was a, it was a, a, an area that you know it was poor. It's fair to say you know not everybody had a lot of money, so most of the pubs and bars there, people you know drank to sort of forget and yeah, to yeah. sort of you know ease their troubles and stuff. Um, so people did get a little bit. Mad way at times, let's right. be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, I was I was in the area of the mad dog and yeah. uh, of the, the bottle of a bottle of bucky, you know. Right. What I find ends up happening and we've had a few people come on and talk about, you know, the best BAs or bartenders, etc. etc. Even if you're not that into drink, when you start working in a bar, or you start working in a restaurant, etc. etc. You become friends with the people you're working yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you get a drink with them, etc. etc. And then it'll just and then if you want to be better at your job, you need to learn about it as well. well. And so it all comes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. I feel like most people, if they weren't drinkers, and then you start working in hospitality, it's inevitable they're going to get some kind of interest. Of course, yeah. Um, but whiskey is still the most challenging part, probably, because it's easy to get into beer or, or, or whatever, perhaps, but yeah. brown brown spirits is still quite difficult. And I, and I suppose when you look at it from that point of view as well, I guess, is that mm. the fact that it, when you reframe a bartender or person working at a bar mm. as just somebody who work, works in sales, oh, yeah. they're selling yeah. a product. They're, they're selling, and, and you need to know the products that you're selling, I suppose, as well. Whether if someone wants, most people probably know what they want. You want a pint, a lager, or they like their whiskies, but yeah. the more you get into it, I suppose, the, the more you need to know about what you're selling. It's quite a trendy scene as well. 
So it's one of those things that what I found moving to Edinburgh, everybody I worked with was much older than me. But actually, I thought, how cool is that? <laughs> and, and so then you start going to another project that you've done, which um called Kin. Yeah. So I first moved to Edinburgh as a bar that, you know, rest in peace, Ken. Yeah. You, you gentlemen won't, won't know about it. No, no. Um, Is this another place you've worked? No, no, no. Not <laughs> another place <laughs> I've worked. Another another place job I've worked. That <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I'll let you describe Ken, but I'll just say that I, I, when I first moved to Edinburgh, it was a, just before the pandemic, or so I was 18, 19. It's the first bar that Cameron, yeah. shout out Cameron once again, first place that he ever took me to. And that became my like regular bar to go to. Yeah. Um, but that's something that I think is easily forgotten about. People think, okay, okay, so you worked in Barton in Aberdeen, yada, yada, yada. Monkey happened quite fairly shortly after. But tell, yeah. tell me a wee bit about Ken, because that's something I want to know. How did that even come about? Oh, well, so <laughs> um, I obviously, like, at the time, had been working in and around uh, bars in Edinburgh for what? Uh, coming up for at the time, wait, five, six years, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then obviously previously up north as well. Um, my my wife and I moved to Edinburgh to help open a bar down here. And then we sort of, um, we worked in the same team. I was still working offshore at the time. I made the choice that, you know, I think it's probably because I grew a soul. I don't know. <laughs> that I was going to leave the oil industry. And I'm, partly because I, I did something pretty pretty monumental for the for the oil company that I used to work for um saved them quite a bit of money like yeah 3.2 million dollars really um and I was as a th- not that I did, I did my job I yeah. just did my job as a thank you I got a 20 pound Marks and Spencer voucher oh that's good of them um my first ever <laughs> I love M&S yeah. oh <laughs> M&S shout out to M&S but my first ever bartender my com- cocktail comp I ever took part in yeah. for five minutes work I won that and it was all expenses paid um, flight down to Cognac. Um, the final was in uh, Chateau. You stayed overnight in the Chateau. Yeah. Michelin star food. Taken up to the to the Champs Elysees again, and then flown Amazing. first class. And I'm like, hang on, I'm in the wrong job. Yeah. So wait, so bartending was a sort of on the side thing at this oh, point. Yeah. So you're working keep, offshore. Yeah, keep basically. I what so the standard thing in that is in Aberdeen is you work offshore. You make an absolute butt ton of cash. You come home and you either piss it up against the wall or it goes up your nose. Right. That's yeah. That no matter your age. Yeah, and that yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, you're successful. You live in Aberdeen. Oh, no. What do you do? I work offshore. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Um, that was never my jam. Um, like I say, eat big enough Egypt without it. Yeah. Mm. So um, still, still bartended, uh, and it just so happened that my now wife she moved from a vodka bar to a cocktail bar, and I got involved in that as well. I bartend bar back, sorry for free, which is basically a glass collector for those of you who don't know, um, because I wanted to learn. Right. Yeah. They, the the knowledge that these bartenders had was insane, and I'm a massive geek. And this um, was in Edinburgh. This was in Aberdeen. Um, oh, okay. And I soaked that up, and then just the cocktail stuff went from there. So when we moved down to Edinburgh, people were asking me to do cocktail comps to do, or help them with different menus. Yeah. So it just so happened that I was offered to go down to a place down in Leith, and it was a very disreputable um, owner. Um, the place ended up closing very quickly and myself and the general manager at the time who is my best mate uh, Sam Bax shout out yeah um, who's the general manager Bramble, general manager Bramble. Right. Um, we had some chops when it came to behind the bar so a person came up to us and said how would you ever think about opening your own gaff ah so you got a ch- chance to open your own place it was a tiny tiny little place 30 seats max and that was if we squeezed people in 
it was quite similar to the dugout and the back of yeah, the yeah, diggers. Yeah, 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 yeah. That back, was the size, and it was, it was underground yeah, pretty much it's, as well. It's, if you go down uh, Broughton Street now and go to Fior, the restaurant, it's still underneath. I'm not sure what they're doing with it now, but yeah. we, we ran that 2017 until, what, 2021. So how old were yeah. you at this point then? Go. 2017, 2017. I, I was 18 years old when I started going there. Yeah, you were 18. I was 18. Did you check them? God, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I definitely got ID'd. I bet you did. I would come in that bar three nights a week and they ID me the third growing, time. Is that where you started growing that bit of hair under your chin? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? 30, 33. Yeah. Right, so, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, um, just the two of you, you just the two of us, back. 30 seats, me and Bax. Yeah, the, we had a thing that, so Ken was, well, as, as a lot of people know, that um, in Scotland, um, you have Ken in your clan, okay? Um, most yeah. people refer to bartending as, oh, we're a big family. It's not. Yeah. You can't choose your family. You absolutely can choose your clan. Right. Um, if you're an arsehole, you can get booted out of a clan. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's what it was more for us. It was about kith and kin rather than that. But also, we were coming from a place of we'd worked some long ass hours in the industry, some hard shifts. We'd done horrendous, like, you know, 100 hour weeks and all that kind of stuff for other people. Yeah. We were kind of broken individuals. And there's a, a Japanese art form called Kintsugi where they take broken pottery, they fix it up back again, and it's usually finished off in gold. So actually, the end product, even though it's broken, looks a little bit more beautiful and intriguing than okay. the original started yeah, with. Yeah. And that was kind of us. So our motto was, you walk in, you arrive as friends, you leave as family. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So no matter what, you were taken under the and, and I tested that no matter what. So Cameron, I first met Cameron... Uh, obviously going through Scotch it's a story that I told in one of our whiskey stories or our relation to whiskey story uh, he introduced me to um, drinking cider like, nice. I, was only, I was 18, like, 18 I, really, right? I just about turned 19 I joined um, had about 10 jobs at this I, point I, I, I joined the Valora <laughs> on the 2nd of December when I was 18 I just about turned 19 right. in the February um, and I used to go <laughs> I, I cringe a little bit I used to go to Ken after, after work and get a Brett on this is a kind of apple French cider and a Calvados, which is apple brandy. And so, what 18 year olds order an apple brandy or better? Did you, did you spill any in your but cravat? I, mean, I, was, I, I was so naive. The looks you would get, but actually, Bax and Jody were always very welcome. Also, we'll shout out actually, we've got a, a listener, a big fan of the pod from Massachusetts, All Amy, right. who, just to show, highlight what this bar is, she was a regular at Ken, yep. but she lived in Boston. Oh, yeah. really? And so she's kind of trying to imagine a, a, fan fair, com- a, a yeah. bar with 30 seats yeah. or 30 yeah. covers maximum and you've got people coming over from the States three yeah. or four times a year yeah. and only drinking in that bar. It's also great now that we're on first name terms with our listener. Yeah, she was back in Edinburgh recently, Thanks, I knew, but I knew her through Ken. Right, so and you then, and then she knows the podcast stream, oh, so, etc. So it's such an inclusive industry. And so right, you, so you, you got that. You went and you had to... You had to speak to the guy behind the bar, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> after and, you ordered your Breton and your, your Calvados. And, and that was the thing, in order to, because 
everybody's just standard that thing of you walk into a cocktail bar you get handed a menu you look at your menu you pick whatever the thing you think sounds cool and it, it's it's very detached yeah. yeah because we wanted that sort of you're here with us in our front room mm. for the first what month two months almost we didn't have a menu yeah. So we talked to guests about what you want. So I'd ask you, oh, what movie have you seen lately? Ah, uh, really? Or what's your favorite ice cream? <laughs> and we do that. This is the stories you talk about. Honestly, we, we, I had one chap that was great. Um, um, he asked for a cocktail based on his favorite football player. Um, um, I, can't, I can't remember his name. But, and I, I'm not a fan of the football. I had to Google him. And I found out that he was a Muslim. So I brought the round of cocktails to the table and then I put down his glass of water in front of him and said, obviously, he's a Muslim, so he doesn't drink. You're welcome. (laughs) 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 He was ready to flip tables before I came back around the corner with his cocktail being like, ah. What would you think? Somebody said to Graham, you know, tell us a footballer you want to drink. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's, it's it's a fun game to play, I suppose, when you've got that, like, I mean, we've done it before, Angus. I think when we said like for a bit of fun, if if you were to, we, we're football fans, so we maybe pick from our team. Mm. We've said if you were to go one to eleven and say, um, what would the player be if they were a drink? And you're like, well, there was a ginger-headed guy who was a bit fiery, and you're like, well, he's a vodka and iron brew. The Kalamata, yeah, or you know, just or something, you know, maybe a cast strength because he's got a bit of a kick in him, you know, yeah. and it, but it's stuff like that, but. I mean, the creativity side of cocktail making. On something nice and smooth because it goes down easy. Yeah, he's woken up. He's woken up. But I mean, when you some cheap wine because it's good in the box. I don't know. Anyway, carry on, carry on, carry on. It's not as good to be good wine. But I mean, that level of creativity, and I suppose if you if it's your own place, you've got the license for that creativity. But I suppose when you speak to people who make cocktails and things, and for people maybe like myself, I'm not a cocktail drinker. I'm not somebody who's familiar with cocktails or anything like that. So you you obviously my limited knowledge of cocktails would be the standard cocktail list. There's a martini, there's a sex on the beach, there's a cock, you know, all these kind of things. Right, but if you've got a, 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 in a position to make flavours and blend drinks and flavours together and make oh, yeah. them all cool for people. Yeah. But like I said, it's your place, so it's like you can do whatever you like. If, yeah. if someone wants a, if someone's answered your question you you know you've not got to worry about someone making a complaint to your boss if you go and say well yeah. there you go your footballer's a muslim so there's your water that's, that's <laughs> yeah. what you're getting but, but. We, we we did have a rule that um if the guest wasn't 100 percent happy sam and i or samurai depending who was it was was on the floor serving we would take the drink we would drink it and then we'd get you something else all right so, uh, so you know, no yeah. matter what you know drink with impunity yeah. you knew fine well that you were going to be happy no matter what because let's yeah. be honest it was the two of us it was our biz mm. yeah. you know we had to have you walking out that door yeah. feeling better than when you walked in with a smile on your face mm-hmm. otherwise we were going to die and, i mean graham said it as well you know you always say you, it's your own place you've got the you know the, that, that. did you ever admit the lines you're barred <laughs> Uh, we did have we n- n- never anybody barred actually, but we did have refused service, yeah. and it was usually the hilariousness of so that place was multiple different venues that didn't really work over the time that I've been in Edinburgh anyway. Um, so you would get the odd you know chancers that would come and be like, um, if you don't service, I'm going to speak to the owner. <laughs> <laughs> so of course oh, yeah. I'd be like, 
which one? <laughs> which one? Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, you know, the older chap. And I'm like, well, I'm older than Baxes, so and I've never met you. Yeah. No, the guy with the silver hair. I'm like, are you taking the piss? <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like uh, it was quite a, a unique... It was quite a unique space because it was a bartender's bar. Yeah. Um. Again, kind of like what your the place that your wife owns now in Omas. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is up the hill from it, but it was also these two guys were totally in love with the product. I mean, yeah. Sam, your business partner, spent a month in Mexico or something. I mean, uh, he spent some time, and he will make he sure was, that you know that. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's one of those things. I didn't. I tried mezcal for the first time in my life. In that bar, yeah. and I had no idea what it was. Yeah. But this guy just spent three three weeks there, four weeks really? there. Yeah. So of course I was going to listen. And you don't get that anywhere that you go. And that, that was one of the things we did. We we sort of like you know rock paper scissors to split the back bar. Yeah. So I took gins and rums and then world whiskies back backs liked. Um, well, didn't like, but he, he dealt with vodka <laughs> um, and uh, agave spirits, yeah. and well, and we sort of split scotch. Right, it, it's so kind of brutal because this is this is it was a business that COVID. That's what took it from us. Right, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where we talk about. It's kind of unfair to talk about how amazing this bar was. You can't go. No, I, I won't be back. But it's, you know, it's one although of one of the one of the the most random things ever when I when I was still working for Monkey Shoulder and I was down in uh, Cocktail Trading Co. Um, I got a tap on the shoulder, and this was years after we closed, maybe what a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and we made ten, ten kin snapbacks. Um, okay, mid March. This guy had one. Oh really? I had no idea who he was. Never seen him before in my well, life. He had one in your hands. He he spied someone in the street. It must have been a bartender, I'm assuming, and gave him money to buy that. And he was like, "I used to love your place. I can't believe oh, really? it's closed." Blah blah blah. And I'm wow. like, "How have I met you in this? You I'm go. one of the most amazing places in London." Yeah. You're like, "Cool. Can I buy you a drum?" Aye, <laughs> that's, that's, that's yeah. right. So let's get on to your <laughs> journey into Scotch whiskey. Then, okay. so I take. I'm assuming it's through. Other than what your dad did to you. You've, you've got over the PTSD. Yeah, he, he delayed that. He yeah. delayed the journey. But you're now that you're working in the cocktail bar. You're working at Kin. You've worked in bar trades and stuff like that. What was the sort of journey for you into actually really investing into Scotch whiskey then? I. It was partly um, shame. If I'm, <laughs> if I'm honest with you, um, you know, like a lot of people be like, well, I mean, how can you, how can you, you know know so much about x y and z spirit but you don't really know that much about your national spirit yeah so of course you're like yeah to be fair i should yeah. know a bit more um my wife is one of the main people who got me into, into whiskey um she used to be the brand ambassador for old Pulteney and bell blair yeah. mm-hmm. um and so i she would always sort of like just try this just try that and slowly but surely i went oh okay i know i get this mm-hmm. i get it and to be fair um, like I say, I, I worked for them for four and a bit years. One of the first tastings I ever did had I sat through was Monkey Shoulder in two thousand and nine, I believe it was. They presented whiskey in such a different way, and I tasted it not in a room with a bunch of people wearing tweed and stuff. It was genuinely like, just enjoy it. If you don't yeah. enjoy it, fine, move on. It took all of the sort of pressure away from it because I yeah. feel like as guys in scotland you're meant to you're meant yeah, to you're like meant a drama to, uh, yeah. it's almost like you know yeah, yeah. Right, right so i mean it's interesting quickly then because we haven't covered it in fact mm. we are, angus and i are actually sitting enjoying or angus is well i've enjoyed uh, <laughs> Bell Blair 15 Bell Blair 15 
Yeah. What, uh, what else have you got, Angus? Uh, I've got a 15-year-old um, Glenn Levitt French oak. It's my tight wad um, dram because I've got a bottle unopened at the house. So this way, <laughs> this, this way I get to try it. <laughs> right, well, I'm actually opening it. <laughs> I've got a real mix. Again, I um, trust Kev too much. Yes. And so I checked on the Insta before I came here and it just got in a, a release um, of... I believe a malt whisky um, bottled by the Adelphi Whiskey Company partners called Shite Whiskey. Shite Whiskey. Spell. Uh, How do you spell S- shite? S H Y T E, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, shite. Shite. Yeah, so it's, it's shite. Um, it's quite, quite decent. How does it taste? When he knows it, do you smell shite? Yeah. <laughs> it uh, smells like shite. <laughs> smells like shite. Tastes like shite. No, is it alright? I right? think it's okay actually. It I mean, it's, 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 it's Would hot. you recognise shite if you tasted it again? <laughs> Three adult men, at least ten years my senior here. <laughs> 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 right, so, I don't. Honestly, I don't know much about it. Right. Um, I believe we said it was perhaps a collaboration with a some shite, kind of, shite shirts, shite shirts, yeah. a clothing right. company. Yeah. But it's, it's a forty percent, very easy going. I just had to try it because Kev's got £2.50 for 35 mils I mean come on and and it's really decent and a ginger ale keep me going that's good and I've treated myself um, to again one of his hand fills because when you're in diggers how are you not going to so it's a 2001 (laughs) hand filled Deanston bourbon cask and it's pretty special um, and it's good because it's one of those things that I feel like a lot of the time I get the same drama in here but that's something that is uh, that taking me back old Glenn Finnick never disappoints does it <laughs> that's what Graham had that's the last time I seen him in here that was, that was it um, right what about yourself Jody? what are you sitting there um, I have a Lagavulin 2017 distillers edition nice. um, mainly because I am an absolute bitch for the 1997 uh, distillers edition okay. it's one of my favourite drams um I just can't see past it. Um, and then on the right, I got a little bit different. Um, I've got a little bit of soft spot in my heart for Starward. Um, so I've got a little bit of a, a wine finish Starward here. You you were over at Starward, I believe. So, so for, for the listeners, Starward is an Australian distillery. Yes. Yes. Based where exactly? Uh, just in Melbourne. Melbourne. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I believe, let me just double check this. Oh. Oh. Here we go. Can you do a, there's a... Do you have a cast, do you, Graham? No. <laughs> <laughs> I actually uh, previously in a previous life I'm not going to internet on that one in a previous life I've done had some communications with it's a it's a 360 company and you can do a, a 360 virtual tour of Star Wars distillery oh okay. I mean yeah it wouldn't take long <laughs> no <laughs> but it's what they do is but it's, it, let me just double check this it's tiny small but well formed yeah is what I, uh, I mean. if people don't know about it they're quite a forward thinking distillery as well yeah um, I had some some interesting stuff from you said it's a Nova you've got yeah Nova. so Nova was red wine finish mm-hmm. and award winning as well yeah. you're making whiskey yeah. in Australia what else do they make in Australia boatloads of red wine yeah it's so easy. it's really funny how, how how simple it is and actually how well it works mm. probably quite y- relatively young as well yeah well but, I mean again it works they've got the benefit of the heat yeah heat yeah. immunity and, you know. just and when it comes faster. to well we're going to get on to the topic of sort of international whiskies mm-hmm. it is Starward Whiskey Distillery yeah. um, mm. and 
it's actually it's a company called Citru 360 I'm still looking for sponsorship but um, <laughs> I, I that's did, a rogue one <laughs> I did actually say to uh, to Ross that your t-shirts uh, haven't they're not quite ready yet um, but uh, they, they are ready to go the design is there I just need to airbrush them and you'll have them Oh, brilliant. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. And, and, and you've got the samples with you as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the samples are in that bag. <laughs> but, um, ah, so it's like, basically, you get on, into the whiskey distillery and there's a barman behind the... It's yep. a 360 video. That's cool. And basically, if you click on... He's got the three whiskies up there. And, I mean, it's hard to say on the phone, but if you click on each one... It takes you through to a link of... Uh, but oh, you can, be, they, they, They've got a boy in there, like, if you go into the, um, the warehouse... And that's when it gets really good for me. Oh yeah, I'm horny for wearing On the internet as well, mind. Um, but basically, there's a guy, and he's he's got a cask, and he's taking a cask, he's he's drawn out from the cask, mm. and he's given a taste. And but whilst he's talking, you could be scrolling through and having a wee look around yeah. the dis- the, the, right. the warehouse and stuff. So that's I definitely had heard the Star Wars before, and that's exactly how it's flagged up yeah. for me. But no, so. Australian whiskey, red wine matured, just works. Yeah. And yeah. you try, I, I'm going to bring this up because I tried it for the first time in December. We went to a brilliant bar, Simon Smith, Whiskey and Cynicism. He's done a pop up bar. Um, I think you tried this when you were in Australia and I'd never even heard of it. It's a ginger beer cask or a ginger. Oh, yeah, I. Like yeah. this is again, just whiskeys you never heard. So it was then, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but you've also, you think um, in terms of, um, you know, there are ginger for what want of a better term plantations farms whatever um yeah. you know you've, you've heard of Bundaberg yeah, but um, yeah. yeah. so like Bundaberg f- fantastic um ginger beer if you ever get your hands on it but they make rum as well but obviously oh, yeah. but yeah. they'll they'll stick their ginger beer in the cask yeah. so that's so that so they also done a, a malt single malt whiskey matured or finished and oh, a know, ginger beer well cask. I mean it's, it's actually that. that's quite interesting so, isn't I mean, it? It's, it, that sounds terrific for me what I like we were talking about it over Christmas one of the things I enjoy doing is like I make my um, my uh, hot toddies mm-hmm. right and basically it's Bundaberg I use and also Krabby's ginger beer yeah okay so you put the Bundaberg in then you put the Krabby's in then I give it usually a Talisker or this time it was Ben Romach 10 just f- and usually cook the alcohol out of it yeah but yeah. it gives it the smoky flavour yeah then you get a nice Cook the alcohol. Does that happen naturally? I mean, well, when you're heat, heating it, any heat, yeah. any heat. So, so the like, alcohol's coming out of it. But go, then, above, go above eighty-five, and the alcohol's going to start uh, coming. Yeah, up. and then what I do is I get. It was at Chris. Well, at Chris, but then what I do is I either get a nice sherried one, but because I'd used the um, the Ben Romach ten, it was a Glen Grant ten I got, and you put a big glug of that in the mug, and then you take that whiskey flavored ginger hot stuff. In there, obviously, there's bits of lemon, there's honey, there's cinnamon Brain, in there. You said earlier you're not into cocktails. You're a bartender. Oh well, that was it. But, I said you want a job. But, but, <laughs> but, but, I don't like those cocktails. You're a chef. But imagine, imagine if you could make that with a whiskey that had been matured in a ginger beer cask. A ginger beer cask. Exactly. That would be smart. We just we love experimentation. Yeah. I, th- I think. I think actually all four of us are probably quite a good audience for coming into a bar. If somebody generally behind that behind that bar there says, "We've just got this in, you need to try it," but I, I feel like most of us would go for it. Uh, now I'm going to play devil's advocate here, right? Oh, it's not like you. I know. <laughs> I'm going to. Uh, there was a I read an article uh, last year. I can't remember who wrote the article, and I'll need to find out to name check it just to find the article. But the the person who 
who's a whiskey writer, mm-hmm. was on a, on a sort of cynical level, criticised the Scotch whiskey industry and said, are we trying too hard and forgetting our own roots to compete with people that have already tried to beat us? Like Grand Cru, um, finished, Grand Cru casks and this and that. And it's like, he, the, the point this person was making is that as a whiskey industry, what, we, what he said was, so many other countries, Australia, you've mentioned, yep. India, we're going to talk about, Japan, Taiwan, yep. China now, have all desperately tried to make whiskey, mm-hmm. right? That's just like scotch. Yep. And then what we are trying to do now is make whiskey like other people's uh, drinks. I, I don't yeah, know. I, I, mean. I, would, yeah. I, I would say that scotch whiskey is just adapting to its natural resources. You're a, t- you're a sherry tart. We, we, we like sherry whiskeys. If in 10, 20 years' time, every good sherry whiskey is 200 quid a bottle, you won't be a sherry tart anymore because no. you won't be able to afford it. <laughs> and so in- you know. Incidentally, when we used to do a radio show, we were bound by off-com rules and calling somebody a tart but I got you in trouble. <laughs> yeah. That was, we had a great laugh. We Mark's Spencer's This has nothing to do with whiskey. But the old Ofcom rules, we had a great laugh going through the words you could not say. Yeah. And yeah. one of them was... Tart. 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 Yeah. But it all depends. The thing is, it's context as well. Not lemons, a bit tart. Context is everything. That context, you're called on a sherry tart. I feel like it's... It is a hard thing because a traditional whiskey drinker, let's again for devils for devil's advocate reasons, let's say you are an eighty-year-old yeah. Scotch whiskey drinker. Yeah, yeah. yeah, of course you're pissed off by Grand Cru and and by what do you mean you're using, you know, you're, I do bourbon, I do sherry, I do port right. or, or something like that. But then, uh, like, but when I, you try them, yeah. But well, this is the point. Is like it's quite funny how some people, and I'm we're going to I want to cover this later later mm-hmm. on. Listen, it's the old what if it feels good, do it. If it if it. Yeah. If it if it tastes good, drink it. You know what I mean. You imagine being it fits. imagine being bitter enough mm. to say everyone's going daft about how good that whiskey tastes, mm. but I don't like the roots. It's it's forgetting its roots, so I'm not going to drink it. Yeah, mm. that, that, I, I, I think I think there are always kind of two schools. You know, there's there's kind of two. You know, and they're they are almost kind of the the other end of things, but. You know, I've been to distilleries and spoken to people at distilleries. It's like, well, we'll try everything once. We yeah. always experiment. We try this cast. We try that cast. We try the da, da, da. And equally, there are other distilleries that go, no, all our stuff is in this. Yeah. This is how we do it. Yeah. This is what oh, it's all we, about. If we've had some new distilleries on as well, um, and so the new distilleries are like, yeah. oh, we'll do what we want because they've yeah. not got. A, and, but and, it's yeah, and, a Glenlivet like you're drinking. Mm. Let's, since 1824. Let's be yeah. honest. Mm. In Scotland, there's always going to be a classic drama. Five or twenty. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't think uh-huh. we've got to worry about yeah. we're going to lose. No, that's my argument. No, no. I, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it is interesting in the front that maybe people turn on their cynicism more mm-hmm. because we're. If you see through it, uh, a whiskey company that you know is just the marketing. Yeah. Right. Where it's like, you know, come on, guys. Do you really think we're that stupid? what you've done there is X, Y, and Z. And then suddenly you lose trust in a brand if they if you start to see through and become that cynic that you're going, yeah, that's fair. what you're doing is you're slapping the same liquid in a different type of cast for a little bit of extra longer and then you're trying to sell it to me for another 75 quid on top of what I'd pay for my normal one. Yeah. 
And is that is it then maybe not the creativity? It's not the fault of the creative whiskey people. <laughs> That's marketing. It's the fault it's of the marketing. Yeah, it's yeah. marketing. Um, and also, we are a very small audience of, in in terms of, ninety percent of whiskey drinkers still probably buy the whiskey from the supermarket. Yeah. And so that's still all your Glenmorangie 10, Glenfiddich, etc., etc. Yeah. You know, for us to be like, oh, I'm not sure about Chateau Margaux in whiskey. I've got a liquid Chateau. I'm not sure about using such a big Bordeaux. But also, there's, there's at least 300 bottles of it. And so 300 people will give it a go yeah. on, on, on that kind of reason. So I feel like it is, um, everybody's looking to expand because if you do get the winner... I thought, oh my god, I'm only drinking whiskey from Chateau Margaux. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wow, cracking. Do you know what? And also, I suppose we take it for granted because we are the minority of the whiskey drinkers. Number one in Scotland, you know, people we 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 hold on to whiskey because it's our own, yeah. and we have this feeling of ownership over it. Absolutely. Yeah. But what we don't appreciate is like like what we're drinking tonight. You know. What is it, 80, 90% of the whiskey that's sold around the world is blended whiskey? And, yeah. and yeah, your yeah. son, and, and they also, there's pubs like what we're in in Edinburgh right now that have plenty of whiskey selections. But if you go to, if you put this pub in anywhere in India or in anywhere in South America, yeah. there's a good chance it's probably got the largest collection in it in the country. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so you, we had, um, what was the episode of Cody? Yeah. In, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what he was saying, yeah. Uh, that, that, if you've got 100 whiskeys by in your bar, you'll be the biggest whiskey selection in most countries in yeah. the world, I but, imagine. And then what happens You don't is, even have to go that far. No. You think about going south of the border, your average um, single malt... Outside of it's London. Rough, yeah, yeah. It's, it's roughly it's like maybe five really? on the back bar, but the minute you come north that border, it jumps to 15 or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So then it, I suppose that what will happen abroad is you'll get international drinkers that hold that really have that brand connection. There's a lot of brand, yes. Yeah. So you'll say, so then you're in. Because if you're the guy that's like, I love, I just love Glenfiddich. I've got the Glenfiddich baseball cap, got the hoodie, got the t-shirt, got that, and I buy it. And any time they bring out a bottle, yeah, I buy it. We speak yeah. about Johnny Walker in India. That's what we speak about every time. And it actually brings us on to a good point. We're speaking about modern distilleries or traditional distilleries trying something new. People abroad who drink most of the whiskey anyway, sticking to their same brands. Well, one thing we want to talk about today is now they're making their own whiskey. And yeah. so that starts with well, Star Wars in Australia, which yeah. lots of expats and stuff. Anyway. You know what? We're, we're getting on. And he's, oh, we're, I tell you what, we're, oh. we'll get a podcast and oh. you. You know, he's actually he got it. You see that? We didn't Smooth. even have to sort of talk about that. So, yeah. Absolutely. There must have been some Oof. good uh, non. There's an award good, in here somewhere. It'll be good. We'll finish with you because you can talk about the brands that you represent, and we'll talk yes. about how we know them. Sure. Okay, so you've drank. Indian whiskey. Yeah, no, I'm in, gonna in the last year. I drank Indian whiskey in the last year. Yeah, yeah. I, in fact, I had Japanese whiskey for the very first time on Saturday. What did you have? The first time. For the very first time. What did I have? I guess. Hey, Nick, uh, you you just had. Um, it was in one of the bevy. Um, it was in the bevy. Uh, the Nika Gold. It was the Nika Gold, Gold Samurai. Oh, okay. Lovely. So. Nico oh, Gold. Oh, right. yes, okay. so, we, yeah, so we've done Nico Golden Gold in our, in, in our fantastic uh, advert calendars. We bought, we bought a load of them um, on auction. And yeah, well, in, I... To uh, ship it to them, so... We had that. So, I mean, crack and dram, right? Oh, lovely. Crack and dram. And your first taking your virginity. Ever. You lost your virginity yeah. last week, yeah. Yes, I did. And it's, it's genuinely one of the... When you were talking about the people who are, like, the traditionalists and, oh, we, well, we can't be going. Mm. No, no, like, we should be doing it right this yeah. way. Let's be honest, Nika 
Are oh, they... don't tell him this. It's going to break his heart. Uh, what? I mean, they, they, the reason that it's that good is because they came over here yeah. and learned yeah, yeah, how to do it yeah. from yeah, us. Yeah, like, yeah. They, 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 this isn't a case of a slap in the face. This yeah. is an homage. No, no, you know? I mean... And, and owned Zanika now is owned and partnered with the Ben Nevis facility in Scotland that's as well. Right, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I think, I think a large amount of liquid that's produced in Ben Nevis finds its way over to Japan uh, from one way or another. Yeah, I don't know the exacts on it, but certainly one of those things that there's a chance there's a yeah. chance that there's some Scottish whiskey maturing, and, and then people go, oh, "That's bloody good." It's now, like, well, well, of course it is. They know what they're doing. So, so Jody, a large part of what you do now is yes. representing brands from not Scotch whiskey, but <laughs> whiskey from other countries. Then, yeah, mm. yeah. So I am fortunate enough to work with uh, World Whiskies, for example. Nika is in my portfolio. Um, Amrut from India. Yep. Um, Kavalan from Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the benefit of learning from our mistakes our experience but they also have the benefit of their particular climate their particular yep. you know advantages and the fact that you know uh for example and, and this is where kind of we we can touch back on kin we literally had this little section of world whiskies and it's no sort of shock why i'm working with speciality right now is because we stocked those because they're one of the few that had that broad of a portfolio so we had Cavalan, we had amarut but it was you know Cavalan port finish yeah. and the amarut um peated finish that type yeah. of stuff and be like you okay well i don't have that particular uh, version of bowmore that you would like however would you like to try something similar still peated but yeah. still a little bit and then you hand it to someone and they go oh well, you know i mean i grew up in a household where if it wasn't 10 years old it wasn't whiskey yeah <laughs> that's it but when you explain to someone that basically if you have a whiskey that's aging in india that it's almost because of the temperature yeah it's it's almost like twice, if not three times, as fast. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of it's it, been matured underground now. Well, I, I mean, now. yeah. I mean, the interesting thing is, uh, there's a lot of. I mean, I've been talking and talking and talking about it about when one day the Scotch whisky industry is going to really emerge in India because at the moment there's they reckon what is it about 150 percent tax on Scotch whisky. I've been Indian. I've been over there a few times and I've told this story in the podcast plenty of times. Was for pair bottle yep. of the green 12 year old Glenfiddich mm-hmm. we were being charged by the hotel 120 pounds a bottle oh yeah so the problem you've got okay. is so we have to take it out with us <laughs> yeah, right? yeah okay. so but but the, the thing is a lot of it isn't like when you try and haggle with these guys and you know it's part of their culture to do so mm. the guy was just like well basically if we make nothing on this bottle with the tax still on it, this is what you'll have to pay. Yeah, yeah. And you're looking at between 90 and 110 pounds. So we were like, this is, it's, and this is the problem. But one of the things that they've said a lot of is, you know, part of the, uh, the free trade agreement between India and the UK as a result of Brexit, yeah. Rishi Sunak was meant to be leading the charge, well, Boris Johnson was meant to be leading the charge, and Rishi Sunak was going to pick it up where, and part of the agreement was, Scotch whiskey was going to open up in, in India. Mm. I believe that it's pretty close to, well, it had been pretty close, but one of the biggest sticking points was the Indian whiskey market were saying... We need to protect our own. Correct. Yeah. I mean, look at what we're selling right now. <clears throat> and you've got Amrut, you've got Paul John, you've got... Uh, let me see what other... You know, you've got... Um, uh, what was the one I was saying? Uh, Royal, our Royal Challenger. There's loads of different Indian brands that are being sold at a very much affordable level for the mm, Indian yeah. population. 
and suddenly what they're going to do is they're going to, I think it's going to half the tax on Scotch whiskey the first five years. So it's going from 150% tax down to 75% tax. Good news for Scotland, but maybe not so good news <laughs> for these modern... Yeah. But then they started trying to talk to each other, and apparently the SWA weren't budging because the, the, SW, the, <laughs> the SWA yeah. were going back to India saying, like, well, if you want to compete with Scotch whiskey, yeah. then it's like, no, it's three years in a day. Yeah. It's, mm. And they're going, no, but our whiskey doesn't need three yeah. years yeah. in there. Yeah. And also, we don't need to use malt barley to make yeah. some of our products. We can use other, other grains I, I and stuff I think it's quite like interesting as well. Something like Amrut is probably an example of an Indian whiskey that's not that easy to get for most Indian people. No. So especially in high class Amrut and, and Amrut has made a massive, massive noise in European whiskey scene and people drink it because again, spearmint with cask, etc. Et it's a young whiskey at a good price that's interesting and people haven't had it before. Yeah. So I mean, it must be interesting in Scotland... What's the what's the feedback about something like Amrut Indian whiskey? How do people take to it? It must be a bit of a challenge for you. It's it's somewhat of a challenge depending on where you go. You know, um, when you go into more like the cocktail bar side of things, mm-hmm. nine times out of ten they're like, "What you got?" I'm like, "Cool, I'm gonna just pour you a couple of couple of glasses. We'll taste it." That's and, the best. And then, you know what I mean? Because nine times out of ten, you know, I, in fact, I did the same thing when, when my father decided that he wasn't having rum. Yeah. And, I, and I poured him a 21 year old rum I, oh it's a good dram that it's a bit right. sweet and like, yeah. Well, it's, yeah it's, it's rum yeah. but because the wood then obviously takes on the characteristics yeah. so there is that bridging gap so if you can just let someone try something without all the the marketing and yeah. the hump and the hoo-ha just, just try it and see how you go and then you go do you like it right now I'll talk to you about it if you well, genuinely it, don't like it, it fine for something like yeah. that so if I was introducing Cavalan to Graham the best thing I could do is give him it blind. Oh, 100%. And, and, and he decided if he liked it or not. Because there, there is there's automatic preconceived notions. You can't help that. Well, happen. look, like, I'll be honest with you, right? I, I was thinking about this. We've had a chat before when you worked on Monkey Shoulder, and one of the sort of basis of the conversation that we had through another podcast was um, changing perceptions. Yeah. Now, one yeah. of the things that was really interesting was you worked for a very forward-thinking sort of product brand with the marketing side of things but yeah. it was at the end of the day it was the dreaded b word it was a blend and blend malt. Blend malt. <laughs> but what happened was well, there are people to this day that will sit there and if you say blend oh no oh, yeah. on the floor yeah. that's yeah. disgusting it's whatever mixing whiskey or you know all that kind of nonsense yeah now part of your job at that point was to change people's perceptions mm-hmm. on on blended whiskey, still is, and yeah, yeah. But now it's almost like have you got a have you got a sort of a skill set in what you do because changing people's perception on other nationalities of of whiskey. It's a whole other thing, isn't it? I, I, well, I have a bias. I'll be honest with you. I have a bias to do non, you really agree? Yes, I have a bias to non Scotch whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right, I, and I can't hide it. I feel protective of Scotch whiskey yeah. for whatever reason. Where I'm sitting there going, and it's not Scotch, it's naked. Yeah. Right. That's exactly the reason I said that I would, I would, I would give you it blind. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I also I understand it. it's the way it is the way some people are brought up. It's the way some people are Absolutely. got into whiskey. You know, if you genuinely, when you were 24, started drinking whiskey into a situation, if you genuinely had a, a few um, blended whiskeys and didn't like them, and a few malt whiskeys and were really surprised by them. The blinders are on. Yeah, yeah, They yeah. absolutely are. When I started drinking whiskey, I, I, I loved sherry whiskey. I couldn't get away from it. 
Something that I didn't see now. You gave me that one. I was like, what's the point now? Where's the sherry? Yeah, there, yeah, are, yeah. there are some families that stick to distilleries. Yeah, oh. Or oh, stick yeah. to brands. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, we're, like genuinely, my, my, uh, my great uncle, rest him, uh, he was a Bells man. Yeah, 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 and yeah. would not and and oh, a, a single malt's wasted on me. Yeah. Well, that's how the guy we spoke about the other day. I, I know he says, you know, he's Mister, he's drank Glen Morangy, and that's all he'll drink. But yeah. he's assumed to be the main man of source of information on yeah. whiskey, not because of the, the different types of whiskeys drunk, just because, because he'll he consume so much right, yeah. of the same brand. But he's like, no, it's not that. It's naked. But it's interesting. Before, this wasn't planned, but I think we were. We were looking at that. I'd brought some of the baby little mini miniatures. Oh yeah. So the um, Yeah, so it was yeah. Kilkerran sixteen, mm. or Nika. Golden gold. Golden gold. Mm. And I thought, I'll give Angus a Nika because he likes the Japanese whiskey. Yeah. And I'm not going to touch that muck. <laughs> <laughs> this is my thought process. All right. We'll have words later, but can but I just a bit more open-minded. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not, I'm not more open-minded. I just ruined ruin Graham's plans. Yeah, because then Angus looked at Graham it. Because Graham said, what do you want? Do you want this Japanese whiskey? Angus, you like Japan, or do you want Kilcairn 16? Oh, the Kilcairn 16, please. <laughs> and I was like, that's what you get for being polite. But I'll have to admit, like, you know, I thought, oh, God, what is... It? And the thing is, I had no idea. Like, there were, even when you, like, you, you know, maybe... There's a distillery from the 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 west of Scotland. You know, it's maybe going to have a bit of peat in it. Yeah. Uh, you maybe think, oh, it might be a bit briny or that kind of stuff. I absolutely had no idea. Yep. And yeah. then opened it up and was like, okay, drank a bit and went, actually, that, that's just smooth, eh? Yeah. That's just total smoothness. It's a hard thing to try to try and gauge. In a way, you are that Glenmorangie man in your pub. Ah, of course, yeah, yeah. But it's one of those things that is totally okay. Yeah, everybody yeah. has, like own, everybody like. has oh. their own whiskey journey, and that's what yeah. we again. I'll put us into an even smaller minority than the you know being whiskey fans and buying stuff at specialist shops. People that go. What non-Scotch have you got to buy? It's a really small market of people. Oh, yeah. It's, my, it's, it's really minute. People that drink whiskey in bars is minute. Yeah, so I remember yeah. people that go to a bar and go, so what have you got from Taiwan? Hmm. But what I'll say is I have been embarrassed with how much I've liked whiskeys that have been non-Scotch whiskeys. My favourite conversation when you were talking about breaking perceptions, yeah. that, that was my job, still is my job, but I also love to do that when I was behind the bar. Yeah. yeah. Because you see, someone would see a, a, a whiskey cocktail on the menu and be like, you can't mix that. Mm. Why, why can't you make oh well you can mix a blend well why can you mix a blend oh because it's a bunch of different barrels yeah, blah blah yeah. blah I'm like cool and you could like pick anything like um, you talked about Glenfiddich before you pick a bottle of Glenfiddich 12 off the bar put it down in front and I'm like right tell me how many barrels is in that bottle yeah yeah. Oh, it's just the one, just the one side. Like, no, no, Nobody no, that's a single idea. cast. Yeah. How many bottles are in there? Yeah. Eh, eh, eh. You, know, like, you honestly, for a company this size, a brand this size of Glenfiddich, yeah. you honestly think yeah. there's only one barrel in that bottle? Monkey Shoulder Batch 27, right? Yeah. I'm not going to say a lot of it, but, I feel but, like but that's yeah. been going for years. Like, and that must be a vatting of thousands well, we, 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 we had of the, casks. We had the Megaton. Yeah. Thousands you know. and thousands of casks to create a consistent product. But people, people think a brand with an age on yeah. it is is one yeah. particular barrel. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. It is a blend yeah. of multiple from the same distillery. And also, it's, mm. and and, and the, the, the number that's on it is the youngest. The youngest. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. there could yeah. be a 15, 20, yeah. 25, yeah. 30 year old. Yeah. If, if the, 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 the master blender and if, if they've got a cask 
that's not doing anything and no good, yep. but it yeah. will be quite good for consistency of yeah. the 12. It's a business at the end of the day. Yeah. Every single dram on this table, bar that Dean's that I had, is a blend yeah. of cats. Of multiple cats, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's such a... And I feel like there's probably, there's probably quite a lot of people that are, that oh, are listening that oh, many. go, I only drink single malt, and, and they're right to say that if that's what they like, yeah. but they actually... No, no nobody realises that that's what they're drinking. That was my job, and yeah. still is my job. Yeah. Yeah. Explaining that, and you go, once you break that... And they go, oh, so it's not just one thing. No, no, no. This is a balance of flavour. It's a skill. It's yeah. an absolute art from a, whether it's a master distiller, malt master, however you want to say it, the cast, the cast masters, whatever. Yeah. They have an absolute skill of making that same flavour that you absolutely know and yeah, love yeah. come to you time and time again when you pick that bottle off the shelf, whether yeah. it's a supermarket, whether it's your local independent bottle shop. Yeah. That's the skill. And it isn't until, it isn't until you get the chance to, like, I mean, we we talked we've talked about it before. In fact, it was the day after. In fact, it was the first day I met you. Was at that whiskey tasting at Scotch with Mark yep. Thompson, the yeah, Glen yeah. Fiddick one, mm-hmm. and it was quite funny. It was Angus and I were there. You were working at it, Ross, and we walked in, and the what Mark had done was use the standard tubes of like the twelve, the fifteen, yeah. the Orchard eighteen, uh, and all this yeah. kind of stuff. And I think Angus and I fell straight into the trap where we both saw that. Ah, oh, oh, terrible! Yeah. It's just going to be here's our standard range. Couple of post boys well, that I tasted. Uh, that's yeah, well, nonsense. Sorry, Angus. But then, but then Mark told that. But what he had done, which was very, very clever, was he'd had bottles from the casks mm. that were being used to go into each yes. one, and it was as if you were doing the exact same thing if you took a blend, Johnny Walker, for instance, when you do the Johnny Walker experience in Edinburgh. And you taste a car do, mm-hmm. and you go, ah, yeah, I'm, that's a fam- I'm getting a familiar sensation yeah. here. Of course you are, because that goes into that that there. Yeah. And if you suddenly recognize it, 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 that's the thing about it. We've had Greg Urker on here, and he just talked about it, and he says like the the, the art of blending whiskey is creating flavor. It's where the money is. It's creating it's flavor. flavor. Yeah. So so talking about foreign whiskeys, how was the. Just some some news in the middle of the podcast. The memory card is dead. It's the first time I've looked at it in twenty minutes. Uh, but the we've, got, we've got some. So basically, <laughs> what we can all take our kit off now. <laughs> That's I know. Done. But no, I mean. It, <laughs> so sorry. What I'm, I was going to ask. Here sorry, in the sorry, towel. I, 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 so I don't again. What I was going to ask is, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Aye. Is there any non-Scotch whiskies that have you've seen or well that you like to try? 
There's a lot of talk about Swedish whiskey. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, just now. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, like, like I said, uh, the Nika one yeah. definitely sort of opened my eyes to, and I think it was like with. See, when we, we talked about the Royal Challenger when I was in Bangalore, and it felt like a sort of win in Rome moment. You know, mm. I'm mm. here, so I might as well try it. Same with Amroot. Same with Paul John. I so must you, admit, you've had Amroot. I've had Amroot. Had Paul John. In fact, I, I probably preferred Paul John. No offense to the Amroot that I'd had, uh-huh. but I so would say this is not my whiskey. I'm okay. But, <laughs> I don't make it. But but the thing about it is that when you actually look in, when you go into the the, the drinks so, shops in India, there are Amroot is a prominent brand, yeah, and there is a lot of different types that you can get. There's that you know and, so and many different sort of options. And they are as proud as Amroot. I was just as we are yeah. about. Of course. Valvenigland, yeah, Fenerbahce, yeah, etc. Yeah, etc. Yeah, not wearing yeah. that exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> the first thing that came out of my mouth. But I remember the first time speaking about Amrut with an Indian customer, Scott. She said, "I love Amrut. I just can't get. I can't get the good stuff in India. Mm. So it's such a really? funny thing to talk about. Right, it's different markets and it's, it's et almost et like the export, quote unquote, the good stuff yeah. to kind of be like show off that that's the prowess. Right. Right. Cavalan's you know? the best example for me. Uh, Taiwanese whiskey. Um, I worked with a fantastic colleague at the memorial called. Ben, who's from Taiwan, is from Nantau. And mm-hmm. in Nantau, they have the Omar single malt. And so Omar single malt does this kind of peated Taiwanese spirit, and it kicked my arse. I had a couple of SMW re- SMWS releases of it, uh-huh. Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, um, and they were smoky, and it tasted like an isla, and I really couldn't handle it. I tried a couple of single-cast Cavalans from the whiskey shop, which is the largest retail in the UK. Mm-hmm. So if any UK listeners, you can go, they've got exclusive single-casts from Cavalan, five, six years old. They are ridiculously delicious. Really? And I've tried some of these cast samplings, like Taiwanese, five years old, PX Hogshead. Well, I was just about to say... And, and they're, they're so tasty. When you, when you speak to, like, global brand ambassadors and you speak to people who have worked in, in, you know, who work in the global market, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to find the flavour trends that countries tend to go towards and stuff like that. So you might find that a particular type of whiskey is very, very popular in Italy. Yeah. yeah. Whereas you're saying, oh, that, that's incredible. But it's maybe because they just like that there's a flavour that, or there's something that they like there. Mm. Taiwan, I remember buying a, was it a Glenlivet 13? Glenlivet did Taiwan exclusives. Yeah. 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 A, well, it was a Glenlivet ta- 13. Yeah. And it was mahogany, like dark, yeah. dark, yeah. dark. Really, dark. Really, 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 yeah. So I suppose that if you know that the Taiwanese sort of flavour profile is like sherry, does that mean that they'll make the whiskey, their own whiskey, the way that they like to drink the Scotch whiskey that they're having? So from what I've seen personally, it seems to be a case of, yes, that's that's the case, but they are then starting to go, well, hang on a minute, because one of the more popular Cavalans that we had in Kin was not sherried, it was port finished. Yeah. Right, okay. It's um, kind of tall green bottle. Yeah, you see now, yes. big, chunky, chewy, and I think they sort of, they lent more towards that, but they found it via the sherry, mm. which yeah. is obviously like, it's a perennial, right? As you say, yeah. the sherry tart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the way that people can get fixated on Scotch whiskey, with preconceived notions, some mm-hmm. people can go, well, if their first whiskey is a Gondronach or a Macallan, mm. You get multi-millionaire whiskey collectors who go, it's not dark enough. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's exactly yeah. the same way. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like um, it's quite funny talking about preconceived notions of whiskey because everybody could just do whatever they want. It's, well, of course. Well, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, I don't know the exact facts to this story, which always makes a good story. Yeah, good but stuff. With my grandfather, so my, my grandfather had a maltings in Kirkcaldy 
and I believe it was in the sort of 80s, at the 80s period, was he was very, well, put it this way, it was round about the time when Scotch whisky production started to slow down during mm-hmm. the whisky mm-hmm. lock in the mid-80s. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem you've got is when you've got contracts with um, with farmers on buying up their buying up yeah. their stock, we would be sitting with, you know, thousands of tonnes, sometimes even millions of tonnes of malted barley or mm-hmm. barley that was to be malted. But yeah. the problem yeah. is that it was getting to the stage where actually there was a problem where further down the line it was going to cost more to malt the barley than, yeah. than what yeah, you're selling it for. Crazy. So one of the things was, and I don't think it was particularly popular at the time, was that the Japanese market were starting to look at what can we do here in Scotch whiskey. And one of the things my dad tells me is that they, they couldn't, the Japanese used to come over and they would have cameras and video recorders and everything like that. Yeah. And the, 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 the Scots... The, the, the distilleries and the people at the maltings, particularly it was the maltings where my grandfather had mm. no qualms. In you come, yeah. have a look around. And but they were they were like the Japanese were really like they're hiding something. Like, <laughs> 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 there's, like they're showing they're only showing us what they want to show yeah, us. Yeah. But they're obviously yeah. like there's a secret door somewhere where the, back. <laughs> where the magical yeah. Scotch stuff happens yeah. and then that's what makes that product. But one of the things was that they, they even to that point where they said, right, well we are, we'll replicate everything yeah. to the yeah, point yeah. where we'll even spell it the same. But also, like, <laughs> we'll even, but we'll even take the barley from Fife. Yeah. yeah. That was from Fife and malted in Fife. And yeah. the, the beauty of it was Kirkcaldy had a harbour or has a harbour. So actually, there was lorries and lorries and lorries yeah. went down. And there was a lot of people at the time in the Scotch industry that were maybe a little bit like you're selling the secrets or you're selling the. Yeah. You're selling ourselves out here. But I think, I think the reality is people ask about, oh, how good, you know, why is Japanese whiskey so good? It certainly is the most trendy. In 2013, um, Yamazaki um, Sherry Cask, 2013, was the first non-Scotch whiskey ever to win Jim Murray's um, oh, Whiskey of the Year, which is when it all blew up. Yeah. Jim Murray is now a disgraced writer, and if he's listening, I'll <laughs> take it back. We are not looking for sponsorship. Not for him, no. We're not for him. Maybe if you want to sponsor the podcast, I will leave the podcast. So on, on you go, Jim Murray, I dare you. Um, but he, you know, um, bit of a dinosaur in the industry, but he was the first person that made this 70, 65 quid bottle, 70 quid bottle. Uh, now it goes for six, seven grand a bottle. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's very nice at the same, <laughs> at the, at the same One day time. We'll but people say, why was it. Japanese whiskey so good? It's because if you look at Japan, you look at Scotland, they're both islands. Yeah. They've yeah. both got over 500 islands off the mainland, fresh water, very little pollution, and, okay, don't, I would never try and stereotype an entire nation, but they're very traditional and honourable people. You've been there, you're going back this mm. year, you've been before... But the respect that they'll treat a stranger is very much the way they've tra- they've been treating oh, Scotch whiskey. But, yeah, but, but I, I, I think I think I think the whole the whole Japanese ethos and it, it, it doesn't just go down to whiskey. It, it, it's it's a case of let's learn a product, let's take it back to Japan, let's produce it in Japan, let's try and make it as be- well as we can, yeah. and yeah. let's innovate. And one. they've not really not mucked around with it. No, no, no. but this is what I mean. They innovate in a way that. Well, it, 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 they're not trying to. They're not trying to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, I mean, if if anything, they they went. Well, they they went they did the opposite of renovation. They tried to. Mm. I mean, uh, mass attack attack at Suru, got but built distilleries in the same 
uh, latitude, mm. <laughs> you know, in order to try really? and get the same exactly, yeah. uh, weather conditions then, for the water and everything that in order to process. But the then is this, is, this, is this going back to what I was saying about earlier about that article I was reading where it's like, it's, it's fascinating that there's Japan doing their very best to try and copy what's just to make Scotch whiskey or a product as close to Scotch whiskey as they possibly have to the point where they're even building things on the same latitude of it. Yeah. And then what the Scotch whiskey industry is doing is going, let's try and be more like champagne or let's try and be, <laughs> yeah. you know, yes. let's try and be like brandy. Yeah. And, and, and you know, like crack up. Yeah, but what I'm, I'm on my phone because actually I've just seen, and I knew I'd seen it earlier uh, yesterday or today, um, this is uh, from the, in the Times of India. And it was published, as we're recording this, it's on the 9th of uh, January. This is was published on the 8th of January. India's single malts pit foreign brands and sales overtake global giants for the first time. And the headline is, uh, move over Glenlivet, Macallan, Lagavulin and Talisker. It's now time for the homegrown single malts whose sales have, for the first time, overtaken those produced yeah. by the global giants. So within India, presumably. Within India, yes. That's the quality of the liquid. It is. It has to be. But is this also the Indian whiskey industry circling the wagons to try and make sure they're protecting themselves for if the situation comes when when the British free trade agreement with the Indian government comes in and Scotch whiskey can come in and go? Because I, I, I don't know off the top of my head what the difference in price would be, but you'd be able to pick up quite a few bottles of Amrut in India mm. for just one bottle of Glenlivet, yeah. like they'd mentioned. Yeah. I, I think we would be surprised by maybe not the number of bottles of something like Amrut is sold outside of India, but the revenue. Yeah. And so as much as, yeah, okay, if you're buying the, the Challenger or the Piper, you know, blended Indian whiskies as they're produced or whatever, however they're titled in India, the amount that they are exporting, even if it's a 5% of the production, yeah. the revenue that can be bringing in for all the distilleries, it's colossal. Yeah. You know? That's why they've hired people like Jody to talk about it. So do you get to in travel the to this? In the most traditional whiskey drinking um, market in, if, in the if, world. If you say that I do, then hopefully the bosses are listening and I do. <laughs> so you want to travel. <laughs> I mean, I mean whiskey stories want to happily go with you on these expeditions. <laughs> they, um, know, they know India well. Yeah, I can take it. I know. And <laughs> Japan. <laughs> we've, got, yeah. we've got Charlie, the rickshaw driver, I guess he looked after us. But yeah, yeah. I don't know Taiwan that well, but I've got a pal. <laughs> right, well, I'm pretty sure between the four of us, we'd be able to do it. We should right. be able to knock something out. Right. Are, we, I mean, are, we, are we world tour? Eh? I could probably listen in M&S. Is... I've, I've done that warehouse tour of Star Wars so many times, I'd be able to take you through. <laughs> My internet history is just warehouses. 360 tours of warehouses. Yeah, I'd pay a fortune for that. Now, listen, uh, is the, uh, the tradition of this Whiskey Stories podcast is we ask all our guests um, the what three drams now, any of these drams can have anything to do with anything as long as they've got a meaning or story behind story. it. As a northern, a person from the sort of northeast of Scotland, I'm probably imagining it's the cheapest one you could get your hands on. <laughs> <laughs> one For context of the first episode, um, these two gentlemen started with grouse or bells. That was it? grouse for Angus, bells for me, yeah. and then you whacked And so them. I was like, he's, I don't know why he's pretending to be nice. Like, uh, I'll be fair, sure, I'll start with above any 30. So, to, so, so, so don't feel any pressure to be too uh, humble. Yeah, well, Damon, 40 year old Glenn Farkless, yeah. came out of the bag. They're, Not as good as the 30. Having listened to the podcast before, yep. um, I don't want to say the um, you know. The, Are you Amy <laughs> from Boston? <laughs> I, I don't, don't want to say the old uh, do do 
We're not there. We're not there. But, but I guess it's probably because obviously my journey into whiskey was a very different journey than most, let's be yeah. honest, people. So no grouse story. For mine, no, unfortunately not. Um, I think that it's it's a case of, probably, let's be honest, my memory's a bit hazy. So um, I, I messaged Jody just for context. So I, was, I said, what's your whiskey stories? And he said, well, I've got too many. And I said, well... You know, you'll not be allowed at daggers if you if you give us more than three. There, there's so, there's also some that I'm pretty sure I'm not allowed. I, I will absolutely get taken to the cleaners if I, if, I, if I share. I'll share it once the the mics are off. But um, big ones for me um, would be uh, so Fetter Cairn, Fask. They don't make it anymore. Terrible whiskey. Like that, <laughs> well, as, as I, I love Fetter Cairn. As I always tell you, uh, Ross, if I want your opinion, I'll give you in advance. <laughs> it's uh, for me. It means something because uh, my English wife and I uh, got married in uh, Fast House. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and literally every single room in Fast House had a decanter of uh, fair care in it. Punishment. So what we did was, because let's be honest, the entire place was styled out with bartenders yeah. at the wedding. We went round and we took all the decanters to make sure that not everybody got absolutely reeking yeah. before it. Um, but uh, like I say, they stopped making it and we ended up um, having to uh, pull some strings and uh, a favour from young Frank um, at the okay. pot still because he had a bottle of uh, Fask in his cellar. Um, but that was genuinely the... There, there's a story where the minister was late to the wedding. Now, you know my wife. Um, for those of you who don't, she is a stickler for being on time and yep. on schedule. She was wondering why the hell she wasn't ready to go. At, like, why, why are we not here? Minister hadn't turned up. Jeez. Uh, there was a there was a flat they had to change the tire <laughs> genuinely no. minister no was the only one yeah they can't have a fetter care now bear in mind like, so, so yeah so Sham was born in London but she grew up in Nairn yeah. the minister was a next door neighbour he agreed um, to do it as a humanist as a wee favourite of me because yeah I, I asked him for God light God zero um, <laughs> but <laughs> he, he <laughs> God zero yes that's a quote <laughs> uh, God zero <laughs> he was he was terrified because we'd met him we'd known him for, for, for years and he was doing it as you know for friends he absolutely pelted up the drive out of this car pelted up the drive putting the cassock on and all this kind of stuff we had under a tray we pulled back the white cloth and there was just a bunch of uh, isoglasses yeah. with fetter cairn uh, fast in it and he literally knocked this this uh, dram back and then went Dearly beloved. <laughs> that's a, that's a go, good whiskey story. Uh, so that will, really hence good. why, whether you like it or not, Ross. <laughs> I, I, I love, I love, love, love uh, Fetter Cairn. They've done the Fask and they've done what was called the Fior. Right. The Fior, uh, And the Fior yeah. was like, the Fior was offensively bad. And Fetter Cairn is now probably the whiskey I own the most bottles of really? in my personal collection. Really? Well, it's interesting because uh, um, when we did the Angus, when you and I did the distillers, Fair. That's right, yes. I hadn't realised. Am I right in saying this, Rossa? Is that the Feta Cairn 18 is also finished in Scotch, Scottish Oak? Scottish Oak. Yeah. So actually, yeah. two whiskies that we had that day was uh, we had this. We had Love this. a Scottish Oak. <laughs> I like my cat. Very peppery. Very peppery. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, it has similar, again, I won't go too nerdy, but it's a Scottish Oak whiskey is on the rise, yep. even though it's still not sustainable. Mm-hmm. But what Mike Mackay are doing is they're rebuilding the Caledonian forest. Right. So as they are producing more Scottish oak for whiskey production, they're also building something like three trees. 
So um, for, for every well, tree of whatever's happened. What was, what was it? Sorry. It's really, really impressive. And I recently tried, I was at the distillery, a two-year-old spirit from Fettercare, mm. grown on the, barley grown in the estate, tree from the estate. Yeah, nice. And what you get in young whiskey of Scottish oak is a mature spirit. It's like a similar property to a limousine French oak. Oh, yeah. Right. Which you'll, you'll be mm-hmm. much more familiar with, Jody, which gives you this kind of cola cubes. Right. So it's like they had the two-year-old Fettercare that tasted wow. like a 10 year well, 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 um, well, But well, it was spicy. The, the guy, was it the guy Aberfeldy did say, yeah. he said, Scottish oak, he said, it's nightmare to deal with. It's permeable, oh. so yeah. it doesn't, I don't think it swells as much as other yeah. oak, so... You get leakage and uh, yeah. just yeah. nightmare for managing. And I think so even yeah, like the sort of side the, of um, the Coopers don't particularly no. like working with it. So my I understanding think, is, I, I think that's the same. Yeah. Talking about Japanese whiskey, Miyazawa is it Miyazawa? I can't remember. Probably got. Oh, Mizuara. Mizuara wood is exactly the yeah. same. It's that. It's really difficult. Yeah. Because uh, it, it it doesn't have the same swell. You get yeah. crap. You know you get. Um, gaps, gaps in the wood, in it, yeah. and it just yeah. I, I went to a taste with Greg Glass, who's the current um, master blender for White Mackay, mm-hmm. and who really is the person that's pioneered Scottish Oak for a brand called Whiskey Works before he took over Richard Patterson as mm. master blender. And he spoke about, I mean, he had to convince Coopers to, to, to put really? this, to so put this first have. cast of Scottish Oak together. A French Cooper, as a minimum, has to be able to go from tree to cask to qualify as a Cooper, is my understanding. A master cooper in Scotland can do that, but you've got to go through the whole apprenticeship in Scotland. Yeah, we've, got yeah, some of the best, we've got some of the best coopers in the world. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. another story when you're, you know, when you're having to do it from the oak. Of course. Because we don't do it here. No. It's, it, that's the difference. It's not that French coopers and American coopers are at a different level. It's that they have to cut down the tree yeah, and start it. We're yeah. mostly using second hand oak. Yeah, so it's so it's such a bizarre part of the industry. Of course, we're looking after the pennies. <laughs> I didn't That's believe true. it and he said you know well that all French coopers can do it and I said oh what do you mean it's Scottish why can't you do it then why we can't do it because we don't have the bloody trees yeah, it's, it's not because we're not qualified and so it's quite interesting it does give a bit of spice for yeah, sure well, definitely spot. hit the back your analysis with that it's, the Aberfeldy cast strength as well hit the back yeah. of my throat so Fetter can invite me back right well dram number two we'll swing up to the to the Speyside Cooperage shall we okay dram number two means a hell of a lot is uh, Kininbi. Okay. Not one that maybe a lot of listeners would probably Don't have heard. Don't to tell them a little bit about it. Um, well, I mean, so as, we, as we've as we said before, I, I worked for Monkey Shoulder, the original recipe. Um, bartenders, would you, we used to refer to it as the KGB, which was mm-hmm. Kininbi, Glenfiddich, and Balvenie. <laughs> yeah. That was the original three whiskies that were in it. Now, you can still get uh, Kininbi, mostly, let's be honest, um, in... Uh, travel retail mm-hmm. if you're if you're going the duty free um we just happen to uh, my wife and i we have friends and family and let's be honest um australian and scottish bartenders we high five one another as we travel in and yeah. out of the country um and we picked up um some canine and we kept this bottle we'd figure out we'd, we'd, we'd be a time and a place to drink it just so happened and bear in mind this was years before i worked for the company but um there was a little thing called under the stars You've probably heard of the Glenfiddich experiment, which was when they did the massive festival. Precursor to that was a little thing that they did. It was, I think, 30 bartenders maximum, pretty sure. Um, This was a collab between Monkey Shoulder and Glenfiddich, and it was under the stars. And it was us basically sleeping in teepees, and it was bartenders from all over Scotland brought together. And in old school, we just, we drank drams. We had some of the, you'll remember the, um, uh, the IPA, 
finish oh. for yeah. Glenfiddich. Yeah. They took some of the beer up, um, and we had we had that so. with the Glenfiddich. Like you know, drank it li- literally out at the Robbie Dew Spring under the stars, and we camped there. And really then we, we did some visits to yeah, the distillery nice. and stuff. At midnight, it just so happened to be Shan and I our anniversary. Oh. So I brought out the Kin and V and said, "Look, it would really mean a lot. There's thirty of you here. Obviously, you're going to get like like a tiny little amount." But if you could join us in a dram as a wee toast, that would be fantastic mm. because whiskey means a lot to us. So we had a little under the stars dram with Kin Envy. That's a whiskey story. Uh, very nice. That's, That's a whiskey story. Kin Envy, probably the ugliest distillery in Scotland. It's a shed. It's a shed. But the one thing I like about it is it's the underdog distillery. Yeah. 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 You know. If you ever get the chance uh, to go around Balvenie, I was shocked. I knew about Can Envy. I've, you know, to be honest, I've I've seen the still house. Mm-hmm. That's it, really, isn't there? <laughs> uh, but Balvenie do everything for Can Envy. Yep. Yeah. So if you had the chance to try Can Envy, everybody should. Yeah. They, do oh, a, yeah. they do a seventeen-year-old. Um, you can pick up an auction for fairly reasonable price, kind of fifty to seventy pounds. They're small bottles, um, and they've done a, a thirty-two or a thirty-three. I can't remember. But two, I believe. Two blue. Yeah. yeah. Uh, really interesting liquid uh, from from the forgotten William Grant Dufton distillery. You'll you'll find that most hardcore cocktail bartenders will be like, get me into Kin Envy yeah. because you know anybody can buy a ticket to go see Glenfiddich and Bob yeah. You yeah. cannot get in there for love yeah. or money. Right. Okay, if um, you're listening, Kin Envy. <laughs> 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 um, I'm sure if we go up to Dufton, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. I may, may, I, they might let me back I'm pretty sure um, I'm still on good terms I, I, I was going to say I, de- I definitely didn't leave him with bad blood that's but, the ugliest I mean um, it we're not getting in a fit of care but we're all the, the last uh, uh, dram is not scotch it is um, Little Book Volume 2 that's it we're out of here <laughs> I'm not having this Sorry. Little Book yes sorry. I have never heard of this it's, whiskey it's an American whiskey um, basically the story goes I say the story it genuinely happened um, Shan and I were travelling to New York this is all based around you'll notice this is all based around Shan heavily it is actually um, uh, like is, I she, said, is she listening to she, she shows the story <laughs> I, was, I was told I was told wedding anniversary trip to New York uh, oh this yeah. is uh, I am uh, just, I don't know one thing about trip to New York it's that trip it's that trip it's that trip yeah I uh, I pulled some strings and I proposed to Shan in uh, in New York but the we were we were going over and um, it's the one of the beautiful things about not only the whiskey industry but the spirits industry in general um, you know people talk and social media albeit it is horrendous quite a lot of the time you can get some amazing connections yeah and we met Tony Sachs who um, uh, amazing writer um absolutely knows his shit when it comes to whiskey uh he put a thing out on twitter saying that he had never tried um sipsmith gin couldn't get a hold of it could anyone if they were coming to the states could they bring him a bottle we happened to be flying out a week later we'd never met this dude ever yeah. in our life sham message and be like cool do you want to do a bottle swap <laughs> and he was like uh sure our only stipulation was give us something that we couldn't get back home Cool. And we'll do a fair swap. Ah, uh, smart. So we dropped him a bottle of gin, which you can pick up in a supermarket pretty much. And he gave... Picked uh, up in a co-op on the way to the airport. <laughs> and he handed us a bottle of what I think is now a five, six hundred quid wow. uh, bottle of, um, of of American whiskey. And uh, I still have it. 
Yeah. Um, it's brought out on special occasions. Distilled in New York? Is it a Kentucky? No, no, it yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, so the, um, I'm going to get this wrong. Um, no, in fact, I'm not even going to, I'm not okay, even going to, I'm not going to get I've never heard of it, I'm amazed. So, yeah. um, so Little Book, uh, there, there are multiple different volumes of it. Cool. Um, of, genuinely you just have to try it man it's wow. bourbon rye yeah like well it de- depends on the release oh, okay depends on the release where it, so where yours it goes is released two release two yeah, yeah I th- like yeah. i say we uh we got that what 20 <gasps> when did you get engaged well don't don't ask me that well that's <laughs> when you got it that's usually what, that's usually when i look at shan to ask me <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, when did we do that again yeah, yeah. um no, we, we genuinely that was the night we got engaged. Right. Uh, we met up. That's cool. We met up and picked this thing up and then walked into PDT to get, <laughs> which was obviously just not planned in the least. And we were sort of like walking. Are we okay to come in with this really expensive <laughs> bottle? And they were like, "Can we try that?" Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> Maybe once we've had a dram. Yeah. No. Wow. Yeah. There you that's go. cool. Yeah. No, well, that's fantastic. Listen, Jody Bucking, well done. That's it's great. To, uh, those stories were pretty spectacular. Yeah. And you probably got yourself the good books with uh, with Shan, <laughs> sure. your good lady wife, for for, for picking that. Like, congratulations for, on the new role as well. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck going forward. Yeah, yeah. Well, for anyone who's listening to this and wants to know how they can get in touch or wants to know how they can follow you, find out what you're doing, keep keeping keep going with what you're doing. What what? How can people reach out or find you? Uh, easiest way probably um, well let's be honest every, uh, on Instagram um, so it's I uh, just search for me Jody Buchan J-O-D-Y uh, B-U-C-H-A-N or you can look for the Moto Monkey um, Moto I've monkey. always been a bit of a cheeky monkey and I ride bikes so, brilliant well thank you so much for coming on to the Whiskey Stories podcast big thanks to Athletic Arms for sticking us back in the, the tiny room where it all began <laughs> cheers Kev thanks uh, for turning up Paddy yeah, uh, thanks to Paddy the first ever Whiskey Stories Doug. Doug. The, the dog in the dog. Um, if you want to know about dog the, for our international dog, viewers, yes. I mean, if you want, if you want to <laughs> follow, well if you want to follow Paddy's Instagram, he's at Padstagram. Padstagram, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks to Amy for listening again. Keep liking, keep following us. But no, if anyone else enjoys the patter, enjoys the banter that we're having, please give us a like, give us a share, pass it on to your friends or other whiskey drinkers, and uh, give us five stars as well. Come on, you'll find us on all the decent whiskey, uh, whiskey, sorry, all the decent podcast platforms, and you'll also find us on Instagram the underscore whiskey underscore stories we still need to try and find a better one than that <laughs> listen Sanjavar thanks very much and cheers. a big thanks to Jody. cheers 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 hey.